And as we continue our Women's Day special today, uh, we're turning our attention now to women in the arts. Now, Paul Mashiane, poet and playwright, she's very busy, uh, probably one of the busiest women in the arts who's recently been appointed uh, the artistic director of the Sibikwa Arts Centre. Uh, we're talking to her now about her work, her achievements, and the current project that she's busy with and how she's projecting the struggle of women through her work. And as far as she's concerned, where uh, we're still lacking as a country uh, when it comes to this issue. So playwright, actor, newly appointed artistic director of the Sibikwa Arts Centre, Napo Mashiane joins me on the line and yet there's 24 hours in a day and you do all of those things. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, on, thank you so much. But it doesn't thank that talk you. to being women because we we navigate so much. Uh, you know, there's little, mm. little pieces of ourselves that we have to leave in everything uh, that we do every day. Congratulations on being appointed to head the Sibiqua Arts Centre. Uh, how are you feeling about this new adventure? I'm not using that challenge word. I'm going to call it an adventure. <laughs> it is adventure, Mane. So, and first and foremost, happy Women's Day to you. Uh, sister friends like yourself who are just blazing ways and just speaking... And, you know, you're really, really one of the women that I love. Beyond the fact that we share our science, <laughs> I'm such a fan. <laughs> hey, women, say to you too, Katie. And thank you for affirming me. Um, yes, um, it is an adventure. And oh, you're right. Um, you know, it's not a challenge. We've been doing this uh, behind the scenes. We've been doing this within our homes and little corners um, and big yards. And for me, just a continuation of what one would normally do silently. But this time, one is doing it in a much more louder, much more open kind of like space so that you know, I can bring more women into the field. Mm. How would you say, though, your experience working at different theatre institutions? I know your, the work that you did, for example, at the State Theatre in Pretoria mm. uh, and, and, and all of the other stuff that you have done. How would you say that prepared you for this particular role at uh, this stage of your life? I think for me, um, Katie, I had to take a decision at some point in my life, especially when I was in my last year at the theater school, when I realized that most women, we are either poster faces or we are performers, that we're not part of the decision-making, let alone that um, we don't own our narratives. So mm. we only find, you know, our brothers or, you know, black brothers or, you know, our white uh, colleagues being the ones who, uh, you know, sort of instigate or they, they tell a black woman's story. And I think that for me provoked me and gave me nightmares that mm. why isn't there a representation? Why women like you and me are not on the forefront of deciding how the scene is structured, whether we're talking about black love or gender-based violence, or why don't we display black women laughing, or why don't we just have women like who look like us, sound like us, and walk like us, and have same experiences like us. Mm. So for me, from that premise of a nightmare, I made it, you know, my, you know, a choice that I need to dream myself out of this nightmare through spoken words, through writing, through the business side of the arts, all the way to directing and making sure that, you know, every black woman story also has a black woman who puts a price check on it yeah. um, and decides 
decide when, how, why we tell our stories, but also creating safe space for all the other sister women across, you know, uh, the country and as a result, connecting with others across the globe. Yeah. The question of balance is one we're asked a lot uh, as Mm -hmm. women, especially those of us that are moms, right? Uh, But Mm -hmm. I want to ask this uh, in terms of balancing uh, your creativity, because first and foremost, you're a creative, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You're a writer, you're a poet, you're an actor. uh, And uh, how then you're going to find uh, prominence uh, for the Sibigua uh, uh, part and your creative part? How are you planning to create Mm -hmm. a balance between those uh, two uh, parts of yourselves to Mm -hmm. make sure that each one finds full expression? I think I'm one of the most uh, privileged and blessed, um, you know, female artists. The fact that even when Sibigua, uh, when I applied for the position, I was called in for the interview. And maybe it comes with experience. I was very forefront in terms of saying I am layered. You know, I'm not just Napo, the poet or the mm. playwright. I'm a director. Because they want us to be one thing, isn't it, Napo? Mm. Yeah. Mm, that's the thing. And I was just like, I'm coming into Sibigua. To you know, to sustain and and to 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 take the legacy forward that was created by Billy Cross and Brad Moore. But also, I need to be in those spaces so that young black girls from the same communities that Sibiko is serving, they can have a point of reference. I need to be that kind of a sister friend who a young girl in Davidson, a young girl in Guaqua or Mahigang, they need to know the possibilities that you can you can be it all. But also, Katie, we come from mothers and sisters who were domestic workers mm. and they would go home and have you know raised nine you know, uh, uh, children and, and, and again, cook and then take care of planning, you know, a funeral or a wedding. And so I come from strong women who are layered. And maybe then I didn't know it's part of, you know, um, part of our DNA. Yeah. Or that, that that's what's called feminism. But for me, you know what I mean? I had no choice but to follow my amazing aunts, my grandmothers, my mom, and feel like, oh, no, this is what every woman does. Mm-hmm. However... I needed to. I needed to make sure that it doesn't become my only definition of my existence. That yeah. I'm more than those things, you know. Yeah. And then you, because you're born in Soweto, raised, and you were mm-hmm. ra- raised in Kwakwa, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, I, I say that because uh, till today, saying uh, the word vagina, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just said it on the radio. Uh, saying the word vagina <laughs> is not, not something that, you know, uh, it, it comes easy because you're seen to be uncouth, right? As a woman, mm-hmm. if, if you say that publicly. And then you take on the, the this crisis gender-based violence in this play called My Vagina was not buried with him. Tell us Mm. more about that particular project. So My Vagina was not buried with him is my uh, current uh, one-woman show and actually is inspired by my childhood friend who is um, the Queen Yaba Soto Kwakwa, you know, um, and loves her husband and was called Mutolo Hazi. Mm. Uh, but also in the 10 years of her being married, she was not able to conceive. She was called you know, by a barren woman. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward, you know, the, you know, after Akhula Tapo, you know, she finds love and love, life moves on. She, uh, she gets to have a child. And then she's called the B word. And I remember one of my friends saying, when she was crying, she said the worst name is being a barren woman, a widow, and now a B word. And one of my friends was like, no, my demo show us if your vagina was buried with the late king. Mm. And for me, I just had goosebumps. I was like, oh my God, this is a play. 
but also it connects with gender-based violence, with high cases of femicide in South Africa and across the world, mm. where there's something between our legs that can be weaponized against you, that um, it, it gives life, so it's a blessing. But people can also use it as a weapon of war. Uh, you know, people can, can really violate and end up killing you, uh, which is what we're facing in this country. And hence, we're doing this bra activation to say, I'm alone on stage, but I have 3,000, you know, bras, which just means 3,000 voices with me on that stage because it's not my story. It's all our story. Yeah. You yeah. and I know women in our circles. If us ourselves have not experienced violence or abuse. And for me, just to take in the narrative further, and this is what I talk about when I say black women need to tell their own stories. Yes, we come of trauma and pain, but we are also an army. You know, we are an amazing, amazing army of sisterhood that heals, that loves, and that measures beyond our trauma. Yeah. Are there spaces uh, in the arts opening up uh, uh, enough for women to tell their own stories, not only tell their own stories, but tell their own stories mm. in their own way, right? Say, this, mm. the, the, this, is, this is who we are, whether you want to understand, accept or not, but this is mm. our lived experience. I think I think it, 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 to say that uh, or to wait for theatre to open uh, or create space for us for me is something again I long time ago decided against that you know I was like if you're not going to give me a space I need to create my own space mm. so we often as women creatives want to fit into people's you know round tables we want to squeeze ourselves that we can chair and my thing is that I bring my, I will build my own table so that within my own table I determine the rules and regulations and that there isn't a level of censorship on those tables and the thing is that with that I realized that the minute you have your own table, people then open up rooms, they open up spaces without even censoring or muting or because they know that you bring in your own tools and you come with an amazing tribe mm. of, you know, creatives behind you. So for me, it, yes, at some point it was very like, no, we're not sure, we're not sure. But I think once everybody realized that women like myself in the theater space, we've got our own tables, our own chairs, and actually we sit on the head of that table, then the rules of the game completely change. The rules now of the game change. Mm. Femicide. I'm here today, right, because uh, mm-hmm. I'm part of the women this radio station chose to commemorate Women's Day uh, on this platform today. Um, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things I spoke about at the beginning when I started the show was that I'm mad. I'm mad mm-hmm. as much as I'm, I'm supposed to be uh, celebrating. I'm merely commemorating, but I'm looking at myself through the lens of the woman in 1956, right, mm-hmm. uh, who had this to face this repressive system and say, actually, hell no, you know, you're not going to mm-hmm. make us carry uh, these passes. But I asked myself what they would think, the ones that uh, have passed, because I know, uh, is it one or two mm-hmm. that are still alive, when they look at the issue of femicide, right? It's mm-hmm. a number one we don't want, right? To mm-hmm. be the capital country of femicide in the world. It's it's mm. a it's a shame. It's it's embarrassing, it's right? It's how, embarrassing. how do we end it? I don't even want to say how do we deal with it. How do mm. how do we end it? How do we create a country, or how do we start to reimagine a country that exists where you, as Napo Mashiane, reflect mm. uh, 
femicide in your artistic work as something that happened in the past that no longer happens. How do we end femicide? How do we end this crisis? By not choosing silence. By not choosing silence. Um, and, and like as you said, like right now, I'm I'm literally uh, with with an amazing team of you know my colleagues and my friends and sister women who are going to be coming through. We are at Melrose Arch at the Melrose uh, Gallery, and we've literally played in front of all the people who are um, you know passing through the gallery, bras of women. And yes, I'm not there with the microphone and a podium, but those bras are going to speak for me because those bras they carry every woman's story who has been violated, who has been. Including women who are not yet, who are still yet to find their voice. So I think for women like you and me, Gigi, the reason why we would not sleep is because when we sleep, it means we are silent and we are quiet and we are will be committing self suicide. So by us, we need to be the change that we want to see in the world, and it means that we need to be loud. We need to scream. If, even if it means we scream through behind the microphone or through songs or through dance or through writing. We cannot keep quiet. I'm raising two boys who need to know that they cannot violate or take another mother's child's life, you know, mm. whether they are queer, whether they are, you know, whether they are, they are, they are afraid, whatever forms of level of love and, and, and layers of diversity within how we love and who we choose to love, you cannot control the other. That must stop. And the only way is for women like you and me who've got platforms that we have that are a blessing and a curse. But we say we will not keep quiet. I would rather die standing than die lying down. Okay, so let me let me get this correct. So you're collecting these bras, uh, mm-hmm. and then doing what with them? And uh, what what happens in what happens in the space where the bras are collected? For example, do I come there and take off the one that I'm wearing today and leave it there? And at the end of the day, what happens? So um, the, all the bras they form part of my set. So my, my the, the set are done by um, Garabo uh, Lehuabe. It's it, it, it's part of the so whether the curtain, whether the the chandeliers of bras, whether it's an end heel of bras. Me within the, my narration within my performance, these bras are part of the world that I'm depicting, that I'm showing, that I'm sharing. And so the bras that everybody's going to be leaving at the at the um, Melrose um, Gallery are going to form part of my set. And it's mm. like anywhere in the world where I go, I'm going to be telling stories and voices and spirits of these women. Um, I've been doing it, uh, you know. It's, almost now a year. I've been doing this from last year. Um, it was successful at Soweto Theatre and the Joburg Theatre. Mm. Now we're going to pack up end of this week, you know, and then we come back to Johannesburg. So I always, you know, I walk around with other voices of women mm. so that even when I want to lose the sense of myself or when I feel depressed or I feel sad or I feel angry, I remember that I'm still part of the battlefield so I cannot give, it, give up. Giving up is not an option because I need to make sure that these women's stories are told. Yeah. COVID has meant that, uh, you know, uh, the stage is limited uh, for Mm -hmm. uh, you guys as actors for a while. How does it feel Mm -hmm. for you to be back on stage uh, telling our stories once again in performance? I I have good fans. I I feel so uh, privileged, but also I am so happy because even the first performance of my pajama was not very pleasant, was uh, premiered at Toronto International uh, Festival of Authors Digitally. So this is a play I wrote, you know, during the first lockdown when I was when I had lost hope and I had lost work. We started to work out three years, and I started saying, "What do I have? I have a pen and paper. What stories do I need to tell?" 
stories of other women who look like me. And then Toronto International Festival, I was like, hey, can you send, you know, a piece of your work? And I was like, oh my God, I have. Yeah. And then digitally, it's there on the space. So the good thing is that this play exists digitally, yeah. but now it's going live. And being performing it live is me giving parts of myself back to myself. And I think that's magical. You, I, can't, I can't deny the excitement, the honor, the privilege. And also the emotional journey that just, you know, moves me as an artist and as a creative this is what i'm born to do and this is what i choose to do and i'll choose to do it until i die i love that performing is like giving parts of myself back to myself i think that's so powerful um listen At times, though, uh, because I suppose audiences uh, for you as as an artist are both men and women. But at times, mm-hmm. um, and I go back to that femicide uh, situation, that gender-based violence situation. Mm-hmm. A- at times, it sounds like we are having this conversation about gender-based violence by ourselves on our own, right? Mm-hmm. H- how, how do we get more men to make it their business, right? To fight mm-hmm. this very big problem in our country with us in a realistic and not cosmetic mm-hmm. way. A realistic way. A realistic way that mm-hmm. doesn't need cameras or that doesn't need, uh, you, you, you know, uh, that doesn't need accolades. You know, sometimes we men who will participate in gender-based violence things want it to be known. But where, mm-hmm. where you know, somebody fights because their conscience and their ethos and their beliefs and who they are says this should not happen with me around. How do we get them Mm -hmm. to participate and make that fight also their fight? By making sure that the dialogue just doesn't happen between us, um, number one. Number two is holding even our own male friends, uh, you know, our brothers, our uncles, um, men in our circles accountable. I hold, I've got amazing, amazing male friends, but I hold them accountable all the time. So they will come and watch my vagina was not buried with him. They will get on the podium after I perform and speak back to the work that I had to share and the stories of other women. But also, I will make sure that within, behind the closed doors, that I remind my brothers, my friends, including my partner, all the time that you are raising a daughter, you are raising daughters, you are raising boys, you are raising sons. How do we break the chain? And it's not just breaking the chain and talking about it, but how do you instill within your child the seed that says women's lives matter, boys' lives matter, every black person's life matters. Mm. As a result, we can only be liberated if you also acknowledge the fact that we cannot continue killing our women and violating our young girls, but also show it in the small things that you do. Don't say this role is for girls, this role is for boys. Mm. Oh, you know, you need to keep quiet as a girl. Let your child have a conversation with Osnapo. Let your child come to watch Osnapo's show. Let your child listen to Casey on radio and engage. Let your child share the kind of content or get into robust conversation on social media as opposed to showing um, just the beauty of Okimoto. Yes, Omotawana, but what's what, what more than you? Mm, you know, mm. and these are platforms that we need to use in this digital space to create this, not just this conversation, but also to be the change, really the change that we are part of. 
so that Kanati, uh, the chain must break, Katie, because whenever we can't sleep, you know. So yeah. my boys, they know, they yeah. know, like they wake up every day. That's not how you talk to a girl. That's not even if you have a crush on a girl. There's a conversation and the way that you approach a girl, and a no is a no, yes. and you don't have control over the other. Just like I don't have control over you, even as somebody who came off my womb. But also, don't be intimidated by women and uh, women like me and Katie and who you know both Kapang and. Uh, I mean, I can name all of them. You cannot be intimidated and thinking that they are dimming your life. Yeah. We all can shine within our life. There's enough space. Lastly, uh, this is a beautiful conversation, but unfortunately, time uh, is not my <laughs> yeah, friend. No. Lastly, at Sibigua, <laughs> what kind of imprint do you want to uh, make your time be defined by? For me, is that we are already a show. It's time for women creatives to be, um, you know, um, black. Uh, I mean, I mean, business minded. Mm. So part of the things we do through Pisabasa at the end of this month, um, you know, it's a visual, it's a hybrid experience with two dialogues with women like you and me, KJ, across the world. But the last day, which is the 29th, it's a different performance that also allows us after the performance to sit down and wind down and talk about the business part of the art. You the know, business and part of how the do we arts. open up the industry, but also how do we look at ourselves as entities, as products, but also how do we also make sure that other women access the spaces that we occupy in high position of art and culture. Fantastic. Listen, uh, the sky is just not too far from here. Uh, your light uh, has to be much brighter uh, than just the sky. And thank you and all the best. Uh, thank you for making the time to wake up and talk to us. Uh, salutation, salutations to you for Women's Day. Thank you, Nabo. Thank you, Manisu. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. That's Napo Mashiane. Amazing, that one. Uh, it's 11 o'clock and another amazing woman is standing by Nomsam Luli with the latest news.